Hi, and welcome to the Previously Learnt Podcast with myself, James Shaw. Following the loss of my parents, it got me thinking a lot about the life lessons I could pass on to my children. Now, depending on who you ask, what I do know isn't worth knowing. So I thought, why not speak to the people that have been there, done that, and got the t-shirt? And that's how Previously Learnt came about. Learning lessons from those that have had various different life experiences. I hope you enjoy Previously Learnt, and like my children, get to learn some life lessons from those that really do know what they are talking about. It would be great if you could like, follow and pass some recommendations and feedback. It really does help improve the podcast. On this episode of Previously Learned, we were joined by keynote speaker and leading expert in high performance mindset, Klaus Wheeler. Klaus has a far-reaching experience and this was an absolutely fascinating chat. I have a big favour to ask. If you do like this episode, please recommend to one person. And if you don't like it, then please tell me. As always, I really hope you enjoy it. Thank you. So welcome, Klaus, to uh, Prince Learn Podcast. Fantastic to have you here. Thank you very much for joining us. I know you are extremely busy, so it's absolutely awesome to have you on. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. My pleasure. How are you, firstly? First question. I'm really, I'm really good. Uh, broken, broken rib and a pushed rib and a, and a sprayed uh, wrist, but uh, that's okay. It reminds me of uh, when I played rugby, so I'm fine. Okay, we'll touch on that. Hopefully, a couple of beers will help and then after this. And something I'm like. having I'm having a small whiskey after the next weeding, and then uh, yeah, no, try and try and get some sleep. The medicinal whiskey, medicinal yeah, whiskey, yeah. love it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll start off. So I say previously learned all about life lessons. Uh, with that in mind, straight off the bat, any key life lessons that you uh, that you know from growing up? Key life lessons. Uh... When I was I was younger, I had a a lot of lessons what not to do. Uh, I grew up in like a pretty rough neighborhood uh, at Christianshaven, where I probably had a had a certain degree of ADHD because I played rugby, I play I boxed, I played soccer, I played table tennis, and I I hung out with uh, some uh, probably not the best people on earth. Uh, so. And I could have gone in so many ways, but a life's lesson was uh, surround yourself with people that you trust. Because in the boxing club and the rugby club, it was actually the the chairman of my rugby club uh, that was also a school teacher at my school that uh, that pulled me out and says, uh, "Klaus, come on, uh, you got a talent, don't waste it." Uh, so, so life lessons: surround yourself with people that trust you and and make you feel comfortable, and that you actually, if they gave you an advice, they would listen to it. Mm-hmm. So, what what age were you then? That did you then like? The reason I asked was, did you realize at that point that you could have possibly veered off yourself down the wrong uh, line, or was it someone telling you? I, I was, I was, uh, I was definitely aware that uh, this this was not the right track. There was there was other ways, but my self belief at that time was wasn't wasn't that great it was that i could do anything with a rugby ball or a soccer ball or whatever uh, so i knew it, it there was there's, there's other stuff than this uh, but it was definitely my rugby cro- coach uh, that uh, that showed me the way and actually he actually he picked me up at the station several times on saturdays when we had to play and one saturday he said okay clowns this is the last time you got a rugby club. You got a talent. We are there for you. Uh, you need you need to make a choice. And from that day on, I never ever did anything uh, you know, on the wrong side of the law. 
No, fantastic. I mean, like, that, I think sport in general. I mean, like, I've done a bit of boxing, uh, played rugby as well. So I say, I say, I know Mike from the boxing, but I think you one obviously you're doing the goodness of sport and you feel good for doing it. But then when your coaches throw so much into you, you don't want to let them down as well. Yeah, you see the exactly. time they give up and it's the discipline you get from that as well. You know, and the time yeah. and effort somebody's coaches put in, you know, it's, it's tough, but it's just a, it's, it's a great sport, Robbie. And I mean, we're touching it later, but I mean, like you played to a very high standard, right? You, you were captain of Denmark for 16 I years. I in Denmark. I played professional in France and South Africa. Uh, so, yeah, I trained. I trained with London Harlequins, and I was really young in uh, in eighty. Was that eighty six? Uh, so, uh, and then had to go back to Denmark, uh, and then I went to France uh, to play professional. I played with La Rochelle and with Orléans in uh, in France. Wow! So, it's, uh, so you must be, if not the probably first person in Denmark to do that. Yes, I was the first first professional rugby player out of Denmark. So how does that feel being a trailblazer? Did you? Did well, it's, you it, that it's, it's 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 nice. I decided when I when I went for it that I wanted to be the best rugby player in Denmark. At the time, I didn't even think that being professional coming from Denmark was uh, was a choice. So, uh, but I just wanted to be the best, and I became that. Uh, I was player of the year two times uh, in Denmark, and. And, uh, and it was good that at that time that I had some other challenges because I was starting to get uh, lazy because I was the best, uh, especially at my position. I played scrum half. Uh, so then we played uh, World Cup qualification in Tour uh, in, in France, and I got awarded the best uh, player uh, of, the, of the tournament. And I got offers from England, from France, and I chose France because I didn't speak French. So, uh, so that was it. But that was a quite a decision to to actually take. Uh, I had a girlfriend uh, who later became a mother of my kids. Uh, but that was a, that was a big decision because I had no idea how a professional uh, life as a rugby player was because I had no role models. I, and and as in Denmark, we had about. Uh, 1700 players including kids <laughs> and passive and old boys in the whole of Denmark uh, as a 1700 and the, and the club I went down to first uh, in Orléans uh, they had about a thousand players uh, just in the club so massive difference and yeah now that you with the experience that you've got what would you what what advice would you pass on to a kid who's possibly in your position? Um, and with the tables turned around and giving them the advice as the mature rugby coach. No, definitely, definitely go for it. Believe in, believe in yourself. Uh, see your self worth. Don't try and live up to other people's expectations. Live up to live up to your own, and then uh, basically go for it. As, as I've realized later in life, and what I'm teaching, I'm teaching psychology and performance psychology both at university but in companies. But I've, what I've learned is that. Uh, no decision you can't look at it and say was it right or wrong so always make a decision and and whatever decision you make either you go for it or you make a decision not to go for it but decide one one or the other don't say ah or ah, i'll wait uh, like in rugby make a decision do you want to make the tackle or, do you, uh, or don't you want to make the tackle because then you can reevaluate if was it a good decision or a bad decision and no decision you can uh, evaluate that's funny. I mean, that's exactly what I say to my kids on a different tangent, maybe. But it's like, don't be worried about making a mistake because it's not a mistake yeah. if you learn from it. Yeah. And, yeah. and you're only going to learn by making mistakes. Yes. And 
And at that age, they should be pretty fearless anyway. But so you don't, and you don't realize how much they're taken in from the world and you don't want them to be insular. You want them to go and grab it before it's too late. Cause you can't, oh, yeah. tomorrow's, tomorrow's not a, tomorrow's not a given, right? It's, no. No, you've got the only thing we really know is uh, right here and right now. We don't know if we have tomorrow, mm-hmm. and the past we can't change anyway. So live with it uh, and enjoy it, uh, because you can't change it. Don't let it disturb your your future or your your right here, right now. So you got into psychology, as you say. Yeah. Doing what you're doing now was. Could you imagine yourself? many years ago being doing what you're doing now is it always the route you're going down no 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 i i would have uh i would have smiled uh if if someone showed me what i'm doing now uh, today when i was 17. when i was 17 i basically i wanted to be a marine biologist but i didn't have the grades uh, and i was diving all the time but my father who was a chef uh he found me an apprenticeship as an electrician so not really a marine biologist or psychologist for that matter. Uh, so I became an electrician before I became a psychologist. Uh, and I never, it was never, ever in the cards. Uh, my, actually, my school teacher told me that if, if you can just if, if you can just get a craft or something, you'll have done well in life. That was the limit he put on, on, on top of me. So, uh, so no, I couldn't, I could never have imagined this. I was always good at motivating people. I was always elected captain uh, of the teams I played within whatever I was. And I was always asked for advice. So I had it, but uh, being here, teaching people, teaching sometimes at the, at the stock market or whatever, teaching 500, 600, being keynote speaker, never, ever did I imagine that when I was younger. And did, how, how did you handle the pressure of being a captain, you know? And it was it was pretty natural for me because I did I did see all the things that we should do anyway, so I never really felt it as a as a pressure. I felt it like, uh, of course, if they if if they think I should do it, I, of course I should do it. Uh, so I never really thought about it as a, as a pressure. No one, no one had ever told me it was a pressure. If I'd seen all the things we see, then, then uh, you become the captain and you all you have to look at other stuff like uh, the Scottish captain last year, where he actually he, did, he didn't play that well as a captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I never knew it was supposed to be a pressure, which is actually uh, not knowing is uh, is not always bad. No, I agree. Sometimes 100% not knowing is, not knowing is very good at times. Yeah, Otherwise, really it stops is. you from doing something. So. <laughs> so the psychology aspect, it's that must be challenging with different cultures, right? And going into, I assume, a corporation or um, university as well, trying to see different cultures and then trying to say, look, maybe you should be, be thought about doing it this way. And do do organisations listen? Maybe take it on. But you know, if you've got a massive cultural shift, for example, and you're seeing that of your expertise, how do you pass on hard truths? I guess. Uh, I, I, simply, I, I come in. in a, culture doesn't mean that that much when uh, because the psychology is the same. If you're an elite sports team or. Uh, uh, 
serious business, uh, the psychology is the same. So basically, I I change people's minds by showing them the way. But how can psychology work? Asking if they have a morning routine. How do they break uh, up during the day? How do they shift uh, focus between tasks and stuff like that? So I'm using a lot from my uh, professional uh, sport uh, in 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 business as well. Uh, so. Uh, so they listen because, I, and on the other hand, I've learned really, really soon in my teaching career that if someone asks you to come and help, you are already half there. He said it was one of my inspirational. He was a professor in psychology in the club I played in France. And uh, he said, as, 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 as soon as they ask for help, you're half there. And I use that my entire life. Uh, that means you basically have to talk your way out of it somehow. <laughs> You're doing the psychology now. You've gone from the sport. I guess it is a natural transition from elite sport to business, right? You've got it some- is. It is. And uh, and there's a lot of things that uh, business hasn't learned yet. And when we talk high performance, that is what I teach. Uh, basically, since I started doing this, I've been teaching how to get performance and thriving to go hand in hand. Because if you do one or the other, if you perform more than you thrive, then you'll burn out. If you thrive more than you perform, then you'll be, get be get uh, benched, so you won't perform for perform enough. So that's been my life quest in everything I do in life: making it balance uh, performance and thriving has to to go there. And that's what I've teach uh, taught the business life because what they haven't uh, they're starting to get it. Uh, what they haven't gotten uh, is that in in elite sport, there's peak performance and then there's high performance. Uh, business has has translated the high performance to peak performance every day, and that's impossible. That means the, the men mean you will burn out, and they misunderstood the whole concept of what is high performance. To me, high performance is not uh, performing uh, at a hundred percent every day. No, a high performance mindset is balancing. So you can keep on performing until you turn 70 or 80. But uh, not a lot of people do that. And companies are starting to li- starting to listen because uh, at least in Denmark, we've got uh, we are actually lack of uh, people. So uh, so companies actually have jobs with no people to to fill them. So uh, this is starting to to actually pan out in a good way. Uh, so, so, so the whole balance, balance thing, and and for people to understand what is a high performance mindset has been like a key key driver for me because they don't really get it. Stupid question. How how do you explain the difference then? If you if you've got someone's got a definition already and it's not the right definition, say yeah, yeah. How do you change that mindset and say, look, this is high performance. This is peak performance. Yeah. You know, know. normally people listen to me because they hired me. But Mm -hmm. then I'll say, okay, if you keep on working like this, if someone says to me, okay, to me, high performance is uh, delivering at 110% every day because that's my job. Uh, And say, okay, if you do that and you never, ever relax, you ever, never, ever take a deep breath, what will happen in one year, two year, five years? And he might say nothing. I'll keep on performing, but then he can see all the others in the, in the rooms looking at him. But come on, man, you won't. Uh, mm-hmm. So so I, I try to do that, and then uh, when I explain about the neurology, because if you if you do perform at a high level all the time, basically uh, this is uh, your uh, neurology one hundred and one. 
Uh, on top of your of your spine, there's there's our reptilian brain. Around that is our limbic system, where all our emotions are. Every emotion, every feeling we ever had has a mark in there. If there's too many emotions, if you keep on working too hard, uh, the reptilian brain thinks you're in danger. That, that means it'll start producing adrenaline and cortisol. And you can run many years on adrenaline. But what happens if most of your activity is in around the center of your brain, that means there's not a lot of activity in your frontal lobes. And it's in your frontal lobes where your argumentation, your intelligence, your identity, your empathy, and all of that which is needed to survive in today's world. Uh, managing expectations, all of that is in your frontal lobes. And, and you can see that when I explain it to them, everybody that's been working hard can see, okay, I actually have a bad temper when I work too much. And that is because you're in fight flight mode more, more than you are in your logical mind. Mm -hmm. So, so I explain them by showing the, the neurology and actually doing some exercises with them to see that, okay, what happens if we do this? Just take seven deep breaths into your nose, out through your mouth and see what happens. How do you feel now compared to when we started doing the breath? So, so I explain to what simply what happens in the brain and then they can recognize the symptoms uh, and say, okay, it's fascinating. I have to be fair, that would probably explain a few sociopaths I know. They just oh, work yes. hard oh, yes. all the time. Yeah, so but sociopaths, they might have started out like good people, but simply worked their way into being a survival mode and uh, they're, uh, like in their limbic system, they're in their emotion and their fight-flight all the time. There is no logic in there. There's only emotions, mm -hmm. and and you are your uh, and and you are so much in fight-flight that you can react pretty harshly and pretty violently if you uh, if you if you stay in there, so, so you've got someone who's in that fight or flight mode. They're they're, they're working one hundred and ten percent too much. Cortisone's driving yeah. through them. What what what's the types of things that can help them relax and and get more into the thrive area? Uh, being aware, asking yourself questions, just two minutes every day, every morning. So what went really well today? Did I take care of myself today? Uh, and then uh, just if they don't normally uh, have deep breath, have, have seven deep breaths in and fill your lungs completely and, and blow out through your mouth slowly. That can help them because they're slowly they will start uh, having another connection to to your to their own body, but just by breathing. And we're not taught uh, how to breathe. Actually, a lot of people think that we should, a breath per minute we should have. Everybody should have uh, between uh, fourteen and sixteen, or thirteen and sixteen breaths per minute during the day. No, the optimum breath is five breaths per minute. Wow! And and, and nobody thinks about that, and nobody thinks about. Uh, the story they tell their own brain. For instance, if I t if I tell you guys like this, and I look like this, and I say, "I'm so happy right now. I'm really <laughs> happy." You don't really believe me, do you? No, no, you don't. Nobody does uh, because. Uh, and even on the podcast, we would need to yeah. see the visual clues. Oh, good, good. Uh, in that as well, because even and, though we can see you, the yeah. yeah. And and the, and the and the point is, if you do like that. Uh, if we could split our communication up in 100%, then 7% of what of our communication is the words we say. 38% is the tonality, how we say the word. The rest is body language. But it's exactly the same. 
when we tell our brain a story. So if you look like this, we hang down and we take, oh, I'm really happy. But we with 97% of our communication or 93% of communication to other people and to our brain, tell a different story. The brain will believe your body language. So walk, talk, walk, talk like you're feeling really good, and slowly the brain will will start joining you. And if you feel like you're busy all the time, one simple rule is start walking slowly. Start noticing what happened, what's happening around you, and you'll start activating different parts of your body, different parts of your brain. And and if you have to make a decision before you make the decision, do some long, slow walks. Because otherwise, you will make the decision from a fight flight perspective, and you won't have your logic in it. That's amazing. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, and it's also restating what you're saying as well. That if you've got someone that thinks that like, a peak performance is going 100 miles now, 120 percent, actually, you're saying you don't need to. You perform yeah. better and higher yeah. by taking your time, thinking about it, yeah. engaging the brain all yes, over. Yeah. yeah. Right. Basically, we should we should we should have a break every fifty minutes mm-hmm. uh, from what we do because I'll, I'll explain this, Lord. If, the, the, if you're sitting and doing the same task in and out uh, all the time now, uh, all the brain cells that you're not using, they seriously they kind of commit suicide because I'm, I'm not being used here. It's not fun being here. So they jump out and, and commit suicide. So basically. Stand up, do something, have a breath, stand with your arms up, because then you'll tell your brain, hey, this is nice, and then start working again. But do something, do some breath, uh, deep breath, uh, whatever, basically because the work you will do after will be better. But how you will feel when you leave work, if you do this every 50 minutes, you'll feel a lot better mm-hmm. because you've actually broken your state of mind several times. You should actually, from every time you you change, go from one one task to another, you should change your state of mind. Walk around for five minutes, maybe do, and I don't know if you know the MIT breath walk. It's very simple. You can, anyone that's listening to this, it's basically, uh, it's MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Mm-hmm. They actually came up with this because a lot of their scientists went down with stress and anxiety and fear. So they had to, uh, their psychologists and neurologists found a way. It's actually overrule your autonomous, autonomous nervous system, uh, which is the breath that's automatic. So if you actually, if, if uh, you, you can follow me, if you breathe into your nose four times, fill your lungs, out through your mouth, four, four, four inhales and four out through your mouth and exercise it so you can actually fill your lungs in four and empty your lungs in four out through your mouth. And at the same time, you do like this. You press your fingers with your thumb one by one on each breath. Basically, that overrules the whole automatic way that the brain works. And if you do that for five minutes, as you just walk slowly around, look up into the air, you will fail. Sometimes you will uh, you will miss a tap or something, but don't worry. It's what we call a positive overload. You're overloading your brain, but in a positive way, so it actually relaxes. So actually, you get access after five minutes. You have access to your frontal lobe to everything again. That's really, really, really powerful. Wow. It's I am. Um, so when I lost my parents, and I wish yeah. I'd taken this up before I lost my parents, I started going to yoga. I started boxing, Brilliant. and I started yoga. So I had both extremes. Yeah, but 
the yoga was something else and they used to yeah, do yeah. breath work and I'd come home and sometimes, and I'm not frightened to admit it, but I'd come home at times and I'd be talking to my wife, all of a sudden you just feel the emotion and the release is just something else. Yes. Yeah. And that's one of the regrets I've got at the moment is I haven't got enough time to get back to yoga. Yeah. That make you feel but, better. But it's, a, it's probably an annoying question, but have your time not to. Yeah, I could probably make time, but it's... but if, but you will gain so much by it, and that's what I tell. It, if it's in or one of those exercises, one of them will help you. So do that no matter what, and then uh, make time for yoga because uh, you will actually you, you won't feel like you're making time now. But I promise you, at the end of the week, you will feel it. But at the end of your life, you will have a lot more years if it, if, yeah. compared to if you don't do it. 100%. I just wish I'd started many years Yeah. Before. Oh, yeah. But it, but there's so many things in that. It, uh, and uh, don't look back in your life and regret because you can't change it. Mm-hmm. Of course, you say that the best best time to have started this would be uh, 25 years ago. The second best one is that. Now. Right here, right here, right <laughs> yeah. now. And that, yeah. that goes for anything in life. Yeah. So if your daughters or your kids uh, or Michael's daughters, if they regret something, show them that there's no point you can't change it. Mm-hmm. But you can change so you won't do the same mistake again. Mm-hmm. That's all we can do, and then live with it because it's a, basically you should not. We should not live in our past. Uh, there's 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 no point in it. Yeah, no, it's, you, you can't like you say you can't change it. There's no point in dwelling on it. You've just no. got to move on. And... No, and then and you need to chant it to, until you believe it, mm-hmm. and show your kids a way to to do that because there's no future solutions in the past. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Uh, oh, sorry, go on, go on, Mike. Go for it. Go I, for I was going to say, I just I was going to change tack slightly. So, just the uh, you're a board member on um, Team Twin, um, yeah, which is is looking at helping wheelchair users um, sort of move beyond and potentially not see their life as a limitation or through the limitations. Yeah, and I, and I really loved reading when I went on the website and had a good read about that happened. How is it that you 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 sit and open up the possibilities to people who, who've maybe had an accident and realised they're no wheelchair bound and those sort of stages of, yeah. of going through? I, I guess it's like grief and and everything else but so what's the sort of differences with that and then maybe high performing sports people but it's, it's it's both of it is high performance it is basically making the most of your life you have right now with, with a, without a handicap uh, with team twin was basically uh, the Steen who who is the one that is fully able and his twin uh, that was born later than he was and lost a, a lot of uh, uh, oxygen and stuff like that he can can hardly move anything and uh, it was actually on one of my high performance trainings that he made the decision to to do start this team twin up so he's run uh, was it 12 12 marathons with his brother pushing his brother and they did like an Ironman together where they're swimming and they made a boat for him and now there's about a hundred uh, people in Denmark doing this and they've got whole teams around to when they when they run so uh, so that's uh, something that that makes simply makes you feel good and they're really popular they're out doing seminars and speaks and stuff like that so uh, and uh, and the last thing that I'm proud of was I was mental trainer for the Danish power chair floorball. I don't know if you know what that is. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a wheelchair 
but it's powered. That's why it's not on the Olympics. And there's five five uh, chairs uh, on the on the field. It's floorball, but only two of them can have a stick in their hand. The rest have like a cheese stick on the floor, so they have to learn and drive like this. And in Denmark, there was about 20 players playing this uh, before the World Cup last year, and 12 of them is in the national side. So if you play this, uh, (laughs) there's a bigger chance you're in the national side than than you're not. But Mm -hmm. we had some really good players, and we went to the World Cup in Switzerland uh, last year, and we won everything. Fantastic. We became world champions, uh, and and that's up against Italy and Germany and Holland that has uh, ten times as many players and mm-hmm. several divisions. It was a, it was a tough time because one of the players took his own life during uh, training up towards the World Cup. That was a setback. Then the coach actually withdrew, so we had to have one of the players. So I spent a lot of time getting him ready to. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been a coach. But it was an exciting thing, and yeah. So world champions just by changing your mindset. Uh, actually knowing which state of mind is best to the situation you're gonna be in next. That's pretty big setbacks, right? How do you how do you how do you deal with that and how do you rally the team around that as well? Basically talking about it, uh, because I thought that if you had a handicap like that all of them have a handicap and they need a helper, they can't go to anything without a helper. Uh, and I thought they were really good at talking about emotions and talking about uh, have I considered suicide and stuff like that. But uh, like uh, any other people, they were they were not good at that. So we talked a lot about that. We talked a lot about changing our state of mind. So basically, uh, if there's something you're curious about, if you're something you feel like you are the only one in the world feeling like this, I promise you, no matter who you are listening out there, someone else is feeling uh, that. But start start talking about it because as soon as you start talking about it, uh, how, however you feel, you don't have to be completely honest if uh, to if it's someone you don't know. But find the people you trust and then start talking about it, and you will be surprised. Everybody will be surprised. And that goes back. I, I like to what that goes back to what you're saying at the beginning as well about surround yourself. The group and the trust. Surround yeah, yourself around yeah, people yeah. in that group. And yes. Yeah. Because we are social animals, right? And it's, yeah. we want to look after each other. And basically, it's more it's more important to not do the opposite. Surround yourself with people that actually talk down to you and, and actually you, uh, you feel worse when you leave them. That's you should run away from as soon as you can and find people that just people that trust you, people that when you leave them, you actually feel invigorated uh, because uh, – the, all the others there's enough of and uh, it's not their fault it's uh, but it's our fault if we let that influence our life so surround yourself with people that lift you up i think that's a great i, I was reading uh, some stuff on your sapiens um, website as well yeah. the the the, the uh, consultancy that you have yeah. and um i i love there was a bit in there um it's important for people to know and understand and how to eat sleep study and exercise your brain and body Yes. Um, And I thought that was a brilliant quote because eating, sleeping, you know, learning, hopefully, and and exercise should be pretty natural. Yes. In terms of that. But it's the way that you say you need to um, train to eat and sleep. Uh, Can you explain a little bit more about that? Maybe yeah, but it's, really like that back yeah, into, yeah, into yeah. children it, as well. It's nice, nice, nice that you caught it because that's probably the, the most important lesson. We need to uh, basically we need to train our mind and our system to take our life seriously enough 
to actually uh, sleep well, uh, eat well, and do the exercises because we don't think then we have a work and then we have kids. Then we don't think we have time for exercise. Like you, James, you don't have we time don't, for your yoga. Don't do yoga. <laughs> but but it, it, it's, it, it, it's not true. Of course we have, but we need to find a way to schedule it. Uh, a lot of people simply, they haven't got a morning routine. This is a saying in a high-performance mindset. If you win the morning, you win the day. So decide when you go to sleep at night, how do you want to start the morning? And then start the morning with a success. It can be... Uh, having a cup of coffee, and if you have a cup of coffee, a cup of tea every morning, you can it's, you can actually stack habits. I don't know if you know that. It's it's very difficult to create a new habit, but you can stack on on habits you already have. So when you have your morning tea, and you uh, actually if you want to read for ten minutes, use the morning tea to actually start reading for ten minutes, or or do ten push-ups or whatever. But start making it slow. We underestimate what we can do with a little effort, but doing it every day. And we overestimate what we can do with a big effort on a short period of time. Mm-hmm. So start with the two, there's a two minute, we call it the two minute law in habit. Start with two minutes of whatever you want to do. If it's before the tea or after the tea, do 10 push-ups or do breath work for two minutes. And already there, you've started a positive cyclist. So that's what we have to do. We actually have to train ourselves to listen to our body, uh, to think, is this real or isn't it? Uh, and if we are caught up in our emotions, then we we stop listening to ourselves, which is the most important thing. But we are also not listening to other people because we lose our ability to be present in a situation when we are in there, in that part of the brain. So take yourself seriously enough. So if when there's something you can change, change it, but start slowly. Mm-hmm. Be consistent with a small effort. Yeah, fantastic. It's that's the thing is I think in the modern day and age we're impatient. We want quick results. Yes. We want to buy the results rather than actually just putting the work in ourselves. Yeah. And say, and sometimes it's going to sound like a, it's going to sound like a cliche and apologies, but sometimes it is the journey which is actually better than the result as well. You know. Right. Oh, it is. You should not go into, it sounds crazy, but you should not go into something just for the result, definitely for the journey as well. Mm-hmm. Because if you do it for the result, you uh, sometimes, and you, and you haven't asked yourself, okay, how, how, how will I feel? What will I see when I actually run the, over the finish line? And if you haven't thought about that, then you'll run, you'll pass the finish line, it'll be, okay, was that it? Because you've never thought about setting goals is like a it's a it's a much more difficult task than uh, than than people think. But if to do it, sit down and make th- three or four goals, uh, and only work with three or four goals, but make them simple, and then create small habits that point you towards that goal, and start doing that by stacking your, on other habits you already have, on other behaviors that is already there, mm-hmm. like morning tea or brushing, uh, brushing your tea, something we do every day. Mm-hmm. Stack a new habit on that and just do two minutes when you do something else at the same time. And slowly, slowly, within weeks, days, uh, months, you will have a new habit and you will have changed your life just by that. That is so powerful, really, really powerful. Um, there was, I can't remember his name, it's the US general whose basic premise was in the morning, make your bed. Make your bed, yeah, there's a whole yeah. book about that. Yeah. And, and that's true, That is, but that, that is a part of the high-performance mindset. Yeah. Win the morning and you win the day. I think Tony Robbins, the American... Uh, 
inspirational talker says something like that as well. Uh, and I use it. Uh, I've Like so many others, I've started taking up uh, ice bath in the morning and in the evening. Uh, yeah, uh, I sit 15 minutes in uh, in 10 degrees of water uh, yeah. in the morning and in the evening. Uh, now I'm actually up to 15 minutes, uh, but that and I do and I do a, a 15 minutes meditation every morning. Now actually, I combine it, so I haven't lost any time, but I'll get all the benefits from the cold bath. And I just bought like a chop like that, which was about was about. Uh, 80, 80 pounds or something. Uh, that's all I gave. And then I fill some ice in every morning. I have some, uh, you know, those you put in in uh, freezing boxes, uh, put them in, in there in the morning and in the evening. And all of a sudden, the meditation becomes much more in my body. So it's still a meditation, but my body is in there as well. And I get all the benefit from dopamine and all the serotonin and all of the chemicals that you get from uh, taking a cold bath. And I am, I promise you, at, uh, at 630 uh, I'm I'm there. I'm ready, and my whole body is like sitting. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, that's amazing, and that's simple as well. And I haven't lost any time. I'm still using the same time just by, by combining two things. Intense and stuff. Yeah. No, that's. I, mean, I must admit, I did start when well, I read the Wim Hof book. Yeah, I know you did. <laughs> and I started doing it in the shower afterwards. I I started off really slowly, ten seconds here yeah, and there, yeah. thirty seconds. I think about a minute's my limit. <laughs> it's like... But it, it, it's actually to me, it's a much more difficult to doing it in the shower because you only get it on your head and you and you hardly get it here. It's much yeah. easier for me to go out into the ice bath there uh, than actually taking it in the shower, mm-hmm. uh, and that's why I bought it. And you're sitting like this with water up to here. And you can actually see when you stand up, you're completely red from here and all the way down <laughs> and completely white all the way up. But it's really nice and it's simple. You basically you can buy a big bucket and you and you can do it. You're based in Denmark, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you're going to get a natural in a few weeks. Yeah, in in a in a month's time, it's going to be easier. It's actually easier now, even though we've got uh, the heat. It's only eleven degrees during the night because the heat goes away. So yeah. I have a like a thermo lit. Uh, so during the day it's on, but during the night I take it off. So actually, when I come out in the morning, it's already eleven degrees. Yeah. Oh, and then it's I can actually yesterday I got it down to to nine degrees and I had 13 minutes in nine degrees and That's I was nice. like but the feeling is so good and it's so, simple so you're up to 13 15 minutes now what yes. when you first started how long were you in there first of all did you think oh, I want to back out of this or uh, did you no did I, you... I, I had no doubts when I was younger I did it a lot uh actually uh when I was very young, uh, my dad took me for what we call the the Viking place. It was uh, the, it's called the cold shower, uh, but it was it was called the Vikings, and they had a hundred years anniversary. And I was seventeen and playing for Denmark, and uh, and uh, my middle name is Thorgod, so uh, I was a real Viking. They thought so. I was in the backside of all the newspapers in Denmark as the youngest Viking ever, and I've, and there I actually went down ran ran by the beach and did my training in the gym and swam in uh, in the water uh, all winter so i knew i could do it so i started slowly with five minutes and I, then it became quite easy uh, and then i came up to with 13 degrees to 15 minutes and then if i could do th- 13 minutes or 15 minutes in 13 degrees i could do it 11 uh, and i could do it in 10 so so it's like it was easier than i thought so it's all about a habit it's all about habit and then yeah. and, and combining our stacking habits Mm-hmm. Things you already do. As actually, my my plan was just to do it for for five minutes, 
mm-hmm. uh, and I would take five minutes out of my reading. And yeah. the reading I started uh, because that is one of the if you have a morning routine where you start the day really well. Uh, I've started doing that, doing the reading. Instead of putting on the news, I put on some calm music and I read for 15 minutes. Then I did my meditation and then I did my shower. Uh, and then I was ready for the day. Now I combined it with the, the cold bath as well. Uh, and I've, I haven't lost any time. It's still within the t- same time frame. So how do you feel if, you, if your routine gets disrupted? Say, for example, you're traveling or something like that and, and it froze. Then I, I, I carry on the next day and uh, mm-hmm. because... I've had so many setbacks in my life, but then you get an injury when you're playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like like I said, a lot of people who probably haven't gone to work with a broken rib and uh, and two push trips. But yeah. I've been teasing whole week because Saturday morning where I came back from the hospital at 7, mm-hmm. I, at 9 o'clock I had uh, 50 people with psoriasis uh, for the psoriasis group, but in Legoland where I had to do like a seminar on how to handle this mentally and psychologically. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't let them down, could I? Just because sure. I fell down yeah. the stairs. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so it's all about mindset, basically. Uh, and if you have a setback, don't worry. It's just about like regretting the past. Okay, yeah. I didn't. I didn't have time to do it today. I'll do two more minutes tomorrow, and then I'll carry on. So it's not about the times that you where you miss it. It's 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 the consistency in my, no matter what you do that will make the change. So it's consistent. And then there's one little thing as, as one of your questions that you sent me. I had one thing I, I thought that's important to know. If you compromise with your life, then you meet a girl, you meet some someone, you meet uh, someone that you look up to or something like. If you let's say you compromise a little bit, 2% only. We don't notice 2%, but then that becomes the new normal. Then we compromise 2% again, but from the new normal. And that happens a lot when we go into relationships or we fall in love or we go into a work and we st- we actually let things happen to us. We live with it. Uh, but if we do that like 2% of the time, imagine what happens uh, the 10th time you're doing it. Mm. It's a little bit like gaining weight. If you only gain like, gain like uh, 400 grams or 200 grams a week, you don't notice it. But imagine after what happens after a year yeah. or two years. So, so if if only we could over the weekend we could gain twenty kilograms, we would look down and say, "Fuck, what happened?" Mm. And then we would do something about it. But we don't notice with those small life compromises. But it's okay with our weight because you can do something about it, and you will notice. It's more important that when you compromise with your identity and try to be someone who are, you are not, mm. then you compromise a little bit, and then a little bit. So when you get that feeling, who am I really? then you compromise too many times because it's from the new zero or the new normal every time. And that is a dangerous compromise. That's a really good point, actually. And I was going to ask you something about that because I've I've always said to my kids, more so my son because he's a little bit older, about doing the right things even if people can't see mm. that you're doing it. So it's about being authentic. And I think being authentic is it's a massive thing for me. Um, yeah, yeah. But sometimes it's hard to do when it's not the easy option. Yeah, like you've yeah. got if you've got your beliefs, you've got even if there's like you're the only person in the room that's saying something. You believe my son's got it incredibly. He's only ten years old, but he's got a massive sense of injustice. And if something's not right, you're quite happily saying. And there's no way I'd ever want him to lose that. No, no. but it's trying to trying to keep that authenticity yeah, yeah. there that they they keep it. You know. Yeah. yeah. 
And it, it is so, so important that we try to stay authentic. Yeah. I've spent a lot of time being being myself uh, and it hurts. And I've left a lot of people that I've known my entire life. But it's uh, if they didn't contribute to my life it, and it sounds harsh, then there's no point in them being in my life. And basically, uh, a student or I did a seminar, actually the one I did with the psoriasis, psoriasis kids, uh, one asked me, so when you're standing here and you're, you're funny and you're making jokes, uh, how are you when you're together with your wife? And I said, I'm exactly the same. I'm exactly like you see me now. I'm exactly like that with my kids uh, in the rugby club, in whatever. Uh and, and that's and it's a lot easier. So if anyone is having difficulties trying to be themselves, tell them it's so much easier being yourself because then you know what you said, you know what you stand for. There's no little lies that you have to live up to. I've tried that, tried to cover that uh, I wanted to be more or better than I was, even though I was doing well, until I realized but seriously, you spend so much brain power thinking about what did I actually say? So I actually let it go many years ago. Mm -hmm. Was it hard to do? Yeah, it was a, and not not. It was hard because I still wanted to be, even though I was the best rugby player and I'm a good friend and all that. I still wanted to be more. I just wanted to be better. Uh, so. So so that's those small exaggerations that actually trying if I. Let's say I scored seven points or I, I would tell that I scored 14 or something like that until I realized, come on, there's no point because they still like you no matter what. And you shouldn't surround yourself with people where you can't be yourself because then it's going to be a struggle. And that's what I learned. And that's going back to the first thing I said, surround yourself with people that like you like you really are. If you find a boyfriend or a girlfriend, find the ones where you don't have to pretend because it makes life a hell of a lot easier. Because as soon as you start pretending, you start compromising. And those small compromises will kill you at the end. So find someone that loves you exactly the way you are. And that, that makes life a lot easier for both of you. Nice I, I love that. It's, it's yeah. actually easier to be yourself than trying to be someone you're not. Exactly. And you will pay you will pay the price so badly if you're uh, trying to pretend to be something you're not uh, over the years. Like these small compromises, it's only two percent. You won't notice, but after a year, several years, you probably have lost yourself completely. Mm -hmm. That's amazing, sir. No, it's for, and for like hopefully, as I say, the kids will listen to that and take that on as well because that's what it's all about. Yeah, you know? it is. It is. So I'm very conscious of your time. And I know you got Don't worry, we've got plenty this. of time. I, I, I've, uh... It was okay, then I'm going to ask you a question. It's going to be a big question. Yeah. What would you like your legacy to be? That would probably be that I've made the world where I am with the people that I can influence a better place uh, when I leave than when I started. Uh, my kids actually were, I've got two girls, 28 and 25. Um uh, we went in Spain. Uh, we were in Spain this summer, uh, and they prepared something for my birthday. And one of them was like a questionnaire, like this. And they asked me the same thing: "What is yeah. that? What do you What do you want your legacy to be?" Mm -hmm. And they were surprised because they thought it was going to be uh, rugby. 
but that's not important to me. I'd rather be remembered as a person that changed and helped other people to have a better life, to perform better, to be happier, to balance performance and driving. So that's a legacy. That's a legacy I'm, I'm getting up to every morning, uh, trying to do that. I want the, tomorrow to be better than to be better than today, and that is basically what all high performers have. They they are, they are satisfied with what they did but also know they can do better. And that's been my life's philosophy for as, as, as long as I can remember now. So just a couple of things talking about that in terms of helping. So like, say, let's say we've got an eight, nine, 10 year old. They happen to have a pretty good talent, pretty good attitudes, pretty good at a particular sport or, um, or maths or, yeah. or whatever. What, what kind of advice would you give that young child to, in terms of helping them improve and and maybe potentially reach the, the their potential and what they could do. Uh, the first thing is keep having fun, keep loving what you're doing. The second is uh, have a daily reflection. When you finished any every practice, what went really well, and then replay that in your mind. What would I have done differently? And then replay that. Only use five minutes and replay that the way that you would have done it. And then think about two more things that you did really well and then leave it because, and that's the five minutes and actually train your brain to look at the things you're doing well, because what you did well, let that grow and don't get too hung up in uh, the things that the fail. We'll all, we, we will all fail, but important and priority, keep having fun doing what you're doing. Uh, and then ask those questions. What went really well at training today? Uh, and what will I do different tomorrow? And then replay it the way that you would have done it. Uh, that's two simple things. And keep smiling while you do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, you've got to smile. I mean, I, I wish I'd take my own advice at times, but you've, <laughs> you've got to smile. And it's nothing is always that bad. It's always, no, there's no. always an answer as well. Yeah. You know? yeah. I'm really lucky, Clive. My friend James is very funny, and he keeps me very amused and happy. So, oh, it's, good. Uh, it's good to have friends around you as well that uh, that uh, that keep your spirits up. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, so I don't always it's do so it. important to have people that make you smile. <laughs> But I don't always do it intentionally. I always just do something stupid. I think. I think that's what <laughs> I, it is. I didn't say you. Yeah, still, <laughs> still making smile. <tomorrow. laughs> yeah, I should know better at my age, but I still act a child. I really do. <laughs> But it's my own amusement. <laughs> so um, I think I know the answer to this question already, but I'm going to ask it. Any regrets? No. Giving the same uh, options and the same situations, I know. When I look at where I am now, absolutely no regrets. There are things that I wish I could have, when I think back, I would have done better. But basically, I have no regrets. Yeah, there's no point in I'm in a really good place and I've been for so many years uh, and I've got two girls that has grown up to be really, really good, decent people. In Spain, they were so aware about a waiter that wasn't treated right and they did something about it. Uh, they saw that I, this young kid took her tips all the time. So she went out and took the tips out of the young kid's hand and went to this girl that uh, there and said, uh, and she met my oldest daughter. She speaks Spanish and Portuguese. So she wrote a nice letter. You're so beautiful. We watched you and, and you are much better than how they treat you and stuff like that. And she went over and gave that to her and she was like crying and coming over. And, <laughs> and that's, that makes me proud. Having girls that act like that towards other people. <laughs> I've done something right in life. Yeah. That's that 
that's amazing. That's exactly what I was kind of touching on earlier about doing the right thing, yeah, that yeah, right yeah. injustice. It's yeah. so you let, let your son keep that injustice. It's really <laughs> nice to stand up for, for those who can stand up for themselves, and that's what I've, yeah. I've, I've always done. I do it in trains if I see injustice, uh, even though I'm I probably can't win a fight anymore. But uh, then again, I think I can't lose one because <laughs> I know in my head that I can, but I will always stay. I don't know. Scrum half's close. Scrum yeah. half's are always a little bit chatty, yeah, they... a little bit annoying. So, <laughs> <laughs> But they would never lose a fight, would they? Uh, well, like behind they, the forwards. They always never get caught. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's, then you haven't lost a fight, have you? <laughs> We used to have a scrum half, didn't we, Mike? And the amount of times he'd start a fight, throw the first oh, punch and hide behind all the forwards. It's like, oh, brilliant, here we go again. Like, <laughs> that's why I look like I look like. <laughs> scrum half. I think I'll trade myself on that. I've never, ever done that. I have been talking a lot, but I've always, I've seen I've been always, I've been fair. Uh, I've been hard, but fair. <laughs> that's rugby all over, though, isn't it? Brilliant. Yeah, it is. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> now, I just want to thank you for coming on, Klaus. It's been. Oh, my pleasure. I, could, I could talk to you for hours about this. I'm absolutely. absolutely. I'm, I love sports psychology and stuff. I'm that is right down my uh, yeah. avenue. I love it. So, I can't thank you enough for coming on. It's been absolutely amazing. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. So, my pleasure. Thank my you pleasure. Again. So, Mike, how good was that with Klaus? What an absolutely awesome guy um, yeah well uh, he's he's a legend i bet he could probably do a yard of ale as well um, <sighs> yeah. because <laughs> no but i mean like some really really good stuff in there i thought his advice and life lessons straight from the get-go were there mm. and key points that touched for me were you know the morning one you get your morning right and you set yourself up for the day it's just yeah Mm, just awesome, awesome uh, advice. I love it. I could have spoke to him for hours. Yeah, I like that bit when he said, make a decision, just go for it, because you, you can't control the past, so don't have any regrets on it. Just make a decision and then then evaluate. Um, and I just thought I thought that was really interesting in terms of that. And I love the bit, the, the kids keep having fun, how to improve at training, take five minutes, work out what went well, and then look at what you could do better and work out how to do it better next time. And then two more sessions on what really went well I just thought that was brilliant I love that a great session great going no, same. and I tell you what else I really liked as well he's obviously made some very very tough decisions over the, over his life mm. but done them for the right reasons and, and you know I think it's spot on you've got to surround yourself with good people you know Definitely. people you can trust brilliant wonderful stuff. absolutely loved it so with that done and dusted Thank you very much for listening. As always, remember to like, subscribe and follow. 